You know what? Anxiety is doing a great job for you. It's a protector part. It's part mm. of you. It's not you. It's a part of you. Anxiety is a sympathetic response in the body, like you said, to keep you aware and vigilant for the potential of any danger. Next time you find yourself saying you're too busy to look after yourself, eat well, sleep, all of this. Next time you say, I'm too busy, I want you to change the word from I'm too busy to I'm abandoning myself. I'm Richard Osborne and this is Drive, the business podcast where I speak to business owners and small business founders about their journeys and the lessons they've learned along the way, helping share this knowledge with you of what makes a small business successful. In this episode, I'm speaking to Caroline Strawson, who shares her story through her breakup and divorce that led her into her business about looking after ourselves as business leaders, business founders where it is often the case we neglect our own well-being for that of the business. Listen to this episode for practical tips and advice on how you can help your business by looking after yourself. Hello, it's absolutely lovely to meet you and thank you for coming in to share your story here. No, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to do a podcast in person. It, it's really nice. The, we, we try our best, we try our best. Uh, and the, and I, in person, I just, we've been chatting for, I don't know how long now, but it must be a good half hour yeah. or more. Um, even before the, the cameras, and even after the cameras started rolling, um, about the world and sundry, which is brilliant, which you don't get online. You don't. And I think that's the nice thing, isn't it? You can come in, connect, get to know people, feel the energy off each other. And it's really, really nice. I think, you know, post COVID, it's really nice to have that still. Don't get me wrong, love online as well because of yeah. the opportunity, but it is nice to have that in-person yeah. stuff too. And uh, sort of reason we're sitting to having a conversation here um is jacob who manages and pulls together the podcast and guests um was introduced to yourself through a previous guest we've had on and i knew nothing of this until i um, jacob sort of like gave me your bio and had a look through and as i was reading sort of about your bio um the so much of my own childhood um, and sort of growing up and seeing what my mother went through um, came flooding in and I was just like oh, I don't know how I feel about this yeah. if I'm being honest yeah, I, uh, I, hear that. <clears throat> I think um, you know there's so many different stories you can hear of different people and very often you can take elements of it or mm. sometimes it can be so similar you can start to feel that activation in the body really because it really resonates and it's taking you back to your own experiences can you give some context around that part of your life before um, you became a business owner, before you um, yeah. sort of made the change, um, to, to quote yourself as divorce changed your life. Yeah, uh, it really did. It, it literally did. And I think, you know, I didn't realise divorce had changed my life or would actually, I always say divorce became my superpower. That's the name of yeah. one of my books because it genuinely did because it actually made me really look at my life, my childhood, because I always thought I had an okay childhood as such. And I still maintain that, but I can now see that there was so many differences and that really came on the back of, you know, many people go through a divorce, but I was married to a domestically abusive man, um, psychologically. 
So when I came out of that marriage, I didn't realise I'd been in an abusive marriage at all. I had complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, self-harming pretty much most days, panic attacks. And it was a really, really dark time for me because we had over 70k debt. And actually in April 2013, I actually had my house repossessed as well. So it was a really dark time having two children and being a single mom, having no money. I was professional, I was a podiatrist at the time, but the money coming in didn't equal the money coming out. So it was it was really dark. But on the upside of that, and we call this kind of post-traumatic growth in positive psychology, which is a lot of the work that I do too, that it really made me look at my life. You know, I may not have wanted to, but it really made me almost think about two pathways at one point where it was, I could carry on feeling and doing all the things and repeating patterns of behavior, or I could really look at that and actually do something about it. And obviously that that's what I chose. And it really made me, because you know, however we act as adults always takes us back to our childhood, always. You know, any form of, unless it's some kind of acute trauma that happens to us, you know, we have an operation or a car crash or something, you know, our behaviors and how we feel about ourselves really come down to our childhood. So that got me kind of really thinking and exploring what my childhood was like. You know, I'd always say, oh, my mom, she was like the archetypal, you know, mom that would love you and be there as such. But I didn't realize when I started to look at that, that actually my mom created the need in me to need her as the youngest of three children, you know, I've got two older sisters and, you know, being the youngest, my next sister is like five years older than me and then seven years. And when I was born, I was born six weeks early by emergency cesarean. And I didn't, what I now know about trauma and everything, you know, even from the start there, my nervous system was being activated. I was already in a kind of fight flight response in my body. And my middle sister actually had a hole in her heart. So you can imagine me as this youngest kind of, hello, I'm here. (laughs) But all the attention was going to my middle sister. But I was in the middle of all of that. I was with a mum who wanted to keep me almost childlike because that gave her a sense of worth. I had a father who wasn't showing me any emotion. So what I found was the patterns then of friendships and adult relationships I would have would be really, really toxic. Because again, I work with parts when I work with my clients with something called internal family systems, which is a evidence-based parts therapy. So I had these protector parts coming up for me, people pleasing, perfectionism, high achieving, you know, all of these were actually parts of me trying to minimize because I didn't feel good enough. So I would then please everybody, you know, everyone had to like me, you know, I didn't want to have anyone saying a bad word about me because if they did, that would trigger my core wounds of not feeling good enough again. Then I'd go to my mum, she would with me she would feel better and then I would feel better and it was always this kind of pattern of behavior around that and then as I grew older I had this core belief that I simply wasn't good enough and the more I did the further the goalposts seemed to move the reality is now in hindsight and I pick up this vibe from yourself as some of what you're talking about there is the it shapes who you are to enable you to do what you do today. With yourself, uh, seems so you know so important, and that experience that you get, you have. And again, that if you think about me being in that abusive relationship, breadcrumbs of love in an abusive relationship were still better than no crumbs that I'd got mm. from my father. So again, you know, when we talk about trauma, which is a lot of the work that I do. You know, it's always looking what's behind the behavior, what's behind all of those things. And I think you're absolutely right. There's an element of, you know, that I feel 
gratitude of what I have been through because actually like you like me we get to live the rest of our life now probably more connected doing deeper more meaningful stuff because of what we have been through and I know there was a time I think when I was doing my own healing you know actually being a high achieving perfectionist has served me well with some of the stuff that I've achieved over my life and where I have got but there comes that line where it's okay, if I'm doing that, actually my body then is permanently in a fight, flight, freeze response, which means I'm pumping out cortisol all of the time. I'm not doing it from a place of, you know, calmness and social engagement. I'm doing it from a drive and a need to do that to get something back. That's then where we see in our society this rise in chronic illness and disease because many of us are pumping out cortisol being in trauma responses when we're not actually in any danger. And that's where you start to get IBS, you start to get fibromyalgia. You know, these are all really chronic illnesses because we're not processing trauma and it's literally staying stuck in our body. So so how do you make the step then when you're um, in an abusive relationship you have a job you're working you're, you're going out to work um i wasn't something... even working that much at the time yeah. because i was in a financially abusive relationship so you know when we first met i was earning more than he was but as we got married and then we had children i stopped working then um i was doing one day a week at a podiatry clinic that i was running but other than that i wasn't earning a lot i was totally reliant on him financially And that is part of abusive relationships where they want you to be reliant on them. They can go off and do whatever they want because they know you won't leave. Because how can you leave? Because you won't have any money anyway. And so I felt very trapped. And, you know, having been brought up on Disney fairy tales, happily ever after kind of thing, my mum was still, my mum and dad were still married, not quite sure how or why, but they still were. We didn't really have divorce in my family. So for me, it was like, "Mm, I need to stay. You know, it's more important for my children to have a family unit than me as a single mom and you know obviously I know different now but at the time I thought gosh I'd I can't have people thinking I'm a single mother. I'm not one of those, you know. And of course, I went through the process and became one of those. And one of those are people, really, women like myself and men who have been in these relationships. And when they come out, we're all doing the best we can, but it is hard. It's really, really tough. And like you say, financially, um, with that, when I came out, I had no money. In fact, I had less than no money. I couldn't get any credit. You know, the money coming, I'd literally put £10 petrol in my car, the light would permanently be on, I'd be tracking the miles to go back in, and I paid in cash because I thought I might need that money the next day. I was in this tax credit trap that if I put my children in more childcare, it meant actually it would be more expensive as such, I'd have even less money. I put envelopes in the bin, I buried my head, I didn't want to deal with things unless it was council tax because I didn't want to go to prison. And if I saw a bit of red, I thought, well, I better open that one. And then I, I remember multiple times phoning like British Gas and saying, oh, my card's been cloned because things had bounced. And, you know, they say, okay, we'll just set up a new direct debit next month. Now, it might be a bit more on the direct debit, but it gave me a month's grace in that moment. And I was literally living month to month, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And when I was working in, in the clinic, because obviously it was self-employed, if one of my children, it got to like, it was on a Friday with my clinic, if it was getting to Wednesday or Thursday and my kids were starting to feel poorly, I started to think, they can't be ill on Friday, I've got to work. If I don't work, I don't get paid. And I'd like cow you know, all of this like, (laughs) 
oh, don't be ill. But of course, on occasion, they were ill. And that meant we didn't have money for the following week. So, you know, I'd often go without food, make sure they were okay, you know, but I would sacrifice all of that because I didn't, I didn't want it to affect them, you know, as much as it was. And by that stage, we were in rented accommodation because I'd had my house repossessed. I literally couldn't afford where we were staying. And, you know, my ex-husband was given the bare minimum. He had a good job, but I was getting 97 pounds a month and, you know, which didn't really cut much with two kids. I remember asking him once, you know, for a school trip and, you know, his response was, um, I give you what I legally have to, not a penny more. You know, because it was like he was giving me the money, not mm. our children. And that was kind of, and that was actually the very last time I've ever asked him for anything. I was sitting there thinking, as you, in, you're describing in the context of an abusive relationship and the struggle from there, but you could also be describing an entrepreneur. Absolutely. Who 100%. gets a buzz when things are going tough. Yeah. The, uh, when, and I can literally, I could literally, if we go back to sort of pre-COVID time, before, um, so I, a couple of years ago, I bought UK Business Performance back. So I sold UKBF in 2007, bought it back. Um, we're literally on the cusp of launching a new product at the moment, which we were hoping to launch last week. By the time this comes out, it'll be out there. There'll be a, you would have heard an advert throughout this uh, episode about it. <clears throat> the, Whatever uh, it is, buy it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But if I go back sort of four or five years, the business didn't need me because we'd built a product, it was very profitable, the business was ticking along, I got um, a management team that were taking care of everything day to day, and I was able to, as a father, um, go along and watch my daughter work because she was like giving lessons and things and spending some time with the family, and I was able to do that, um, and there wasn't any stress. And I was so bored. Okay. Was <clears throat> the, it boredom? Really? The, or well, was it your thing. body craving the physiological the, rush of the cortisol? But that's the thing when I think about now, we're on the verge of launching new products. We've got UKBF, we've got a lot of investment going into this. A lot of work's been going into this new uh, sort of pivot that the business is doing. There's a lot of stress and everybody's running around, a bit of a, uh, a, bit of a buzz going on. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they do that but uh, I also feel tired I, I feel occasionally I feel a bit burnt out yeah. exhausted yeah. and the my brain is sitting there going oh, I, I just need I need a day off or so yeah. and then I, I, if you was to ask me what within me I couldn't tell you yeah. but something is telling me no need to be doing this need to be here need to be on this the, don't uh, you know why think about what's happened there's this element of you've got to prove yourself because it takes yeah. you back to all of those other experiences and stuff as well so it's it's again our body does however we are showing up it's always working for us so however yeah. we are whatever behaviors we have however toxic those behaviors are however destructive they are they are there for a reason there yeah. are no bad parts of us there are only parts of us that are always really working hard to minimize us feeling something that our nervous system thinks would be more painful to feel for instance so we have to get curious about well hold on what is that other thing then that we're not supposed to feel and like you say when you're feeling that buzz and everything there's there's a line between all of that because 
I know from talking about when we were saying about that kind of high achieving and you know it serves you well in a way having been through you know some trauma in your life because you become driven you want to prove yourself you know I will prove that I'm worthy I will prove that I'm good enough as such so it can serve you well in elements but just as you say when you're doing it because the intention is you need something from others to make you feel a certain way at some point it will lead to some form of burnout and we can call it burnout we can call it chronic fatigue we can call it adrenal fatigue we could even call it uh, when we start to get inflammation in our joints fibromyalgia these are all the same concepts really of labels we can put on something that our body is really in a form of inflammation because of the excess cortisol as such and i remember coming to a point in my life where you know i'd done a lot of talking therapy to start off with didn't work you know when we just talk about our trauma it's nice because you've got someone validating it for you, but actually you end up wiring in the trauma still. So in the moment, it can feel good. And even maybe once you stop that therapy, a couple of weeks, a month, it still feels okay. But if you're not working on the root cause of all of that, and the only way you can do that is work in the body at that nervous system level, somatic work basically. If we're not doing that, then what will happen is at some point, we're just gonna keep having these cycles. And I remember doing this talking therapy and then realizing I needed to work in my body and do some somatic work. And as I started to do that, I remember coming to a point where I was starting to heal and thinking, well, hold on a second, what's gonna happen to my business? What's gonna happen to my ambitions if those parts aren't there anymore and they're not in my system? What if I don't have a high achieving and perfectionist part? It served me well. Does that mean I'm not gonna be as successful then as such? And I remember really thinking, do I actually want to heal? Because actually it's serving me in some way because it's making me so driven and so ambitious in my life. But then there was the flip side of, I was burning out, illnesses and things like this it would shorten my lifespan basically in the long run so I had to then think and this is then when you bring in the purpose piece of what you are doing so now with what I do I'm equally as ambitious but I'm not abandoning myself in the process so like I said ice baths in the morning meditation you know trying to nutritionally again trying to exercise more that's always a, a work in progress for me from a time <laughs> perspective you know but i'm doing my best to show myself that i matter but i'm doing that for me i don't need anybody else to do that now and now i'm equally as ambitious but i value my time i value space to allow myself and actually it makes me even more productive in the long run as well but that's also because i've connected to the purpose and the meaning of why i'm doing what i'm doing and you made a really good point when you said about, you know, creating that struggle and feeling that like that buzz, like you said sort of yeah. five years ago. I've worked with many entrepreneurs now in trauma therapy where they have these multiple businesses sometimes and very often they stop their business often just before it's probably going to start to be successful. And they have this struggle, 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 build the business, build the business and they get to a stage and it's not where they think it should be, but it's on the cusp of all of that. And it's like, things are starting to maybe look like they're gonna be successful. Then all of a sudden the nervous system's like, oh, we can't have that, we need to keep this in the body. So they stop that business and they go and look for something else. And they're kind of in this cycle all of the time. And so many people are buying business courses and things like this thinking, that's gonna make me the money. Right, I'm gonna start this. And what people very often forget is, 
why are you showing up the way that you do in your life? Are you working on yourself? Are you working on past traumas with that? Because when you do that and then connect with that, everything becomes so much easier then as well. You're able to do what you are doing, know that there'll be hard times, but still value yourself and look after yourself as well and keep on progressing. We often put these goalposts on things and destinations on things. And if we don't get to that and it triggers our core wounds from our childhood, we'll try something else. Or we'll just keep creating struggle. We'll create arguments. We'll create drama. And people then think, this business isn't working. Why aren't I successful? Why aren't I this? So they look externally of the next thing they can get as opposed to going internally. Because it does take hard work to do that and continuous work you know healing is not a destination it's always ongoing and it's also always at deeper level whilst i've got your attention as a business owner myself i'd like to tell you about a new venture that we've launched alongside ukbf which is smart business a business comparison site where our first product is business insurance working with leading provider simply business we enable you to compare a wide range of insurance products from leading insurance companies to find the cover that is right for you. Go to smartbusiness.co.uk. Compare, decide, job done. That's smart business. Me listening to what you're describing there, I'm a very much right, okay, so what do I do? <laughs> kind of like, you know, give me a checklist. Yes. The, um, the solution. I the want solution. the answer <laughs> yeah. so I can not feel like this yesterday. <laughs> because I, um, so I would sit there and feel, um, and maybe I'm kidding myself, or maybe it is factual what it is. I, I don't know. The, but I, I feel content in my life. The, um, so for, for that, and I feel that I'm at peace with my life. So my question is, let's say if you were a client of mine, I'd say, and you're saying, I'm content, I'm at peace. So my natural response would be, how do you know in your body that you are at peace and you are content? What sensations go with that for you to actually know that and not just be dissociated in freeze and say that because you think it should be good? Um, because of things you've said over the last 10 minutes, I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that. yeah I get that. <laughs> so we're real to, <clears throat> um, From that, from what you said, so I'm literally, I'm even crossing my arms now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> the, it's starting to get close to home. Yeah, we're leaning yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, See, again, yes. I always watch body language through this, so there's an element of, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. And I'm straight away, I'm very aware of what my body language is doing. I'm like, no, no, I'm okay, I'm, I'm fine with this. <laughs> You're but, safe. I'm safe. We're in a safe space. Absolutely. But I, but I, yeah, I just sit there and think, I'm aware of the physical um, impacts of my on my body. So I've got yeah. eczema coming up. You get the IBS and yeah. the uh, and the tiredness. Yeah. The I've got bodies which, shouting at you. You know, yeah. very often our body will start to scream and shout at us. Hmm. And very often, what we look for naturally in our society today is oh, I'm feeling like this, what can I do about this? So, you know, yeah. we have eczema, what cream do I get? What do I have? So I'm treating the symptom of the eczema as opposed to, and this is 
what I work with my clients, well, hold on, why is the eczema there? What's happening in the body? You know, eczema really is an inflammatory response in the body mm. that is shown on our skin. So there's something going on somewhere, and mm. normally it's that internal element. I know it can be allergies to milk and things like this as well. So it's obviously looking at external, you know, potential factors in all of that too. But very often our, our body will start to manifest things when sometimes we're suppressing stuff. How did you, you, how did you make the transition um, f and what decision process did you go through? Because you're in a situation where you're feeling the emotions you're feeling, uh, you're working one day a week, you're afraid the children are going to take uh, or be ill on that day so you can't yeah. work because <laughs> you're, you're, you're just not earning enough to even put yeah. food on the table um, to a point where you go in at the business. You, you, made, you made the decision... Um, and there's no, <clears throat> it, people make decisions that are right for them. Yeah. And some may turn around and not work and uh, recover back or um, whatever support options, I can't relate. So I don't know, but options are available, uh, sort of government support potentially, yeah. or elsewhere, I don't know, we'll fight the husband for a more, more maintenance. You went down the route of driving your business forward and then using what you've learned and your experiences um, as your business yeah um, how did you come to that decision to do that and what was that transition like yeah it's an interesting story in a way so like I said in June 2013 I hit 40 and I kind of spent a couple of months thinking what am I gonna do what you know is this it you know, I thought, am I going to be in some council house somewhere claiming benefit or whatever? And there's nothing wrong with that because that's what things are there for to support us. But I didn't want that to be me. I didn't want that for my children in that moment long term. You know, I get in moments, absolutely. But I didn't want that for me or for my children. I wanted to show them possibility. I wanted to show them the world, life, you know, all of this thing that is there because we're on this planet for a short period of time and embracing all of that. And I'd spent already then three years stuck in that trauma response. And I actually remember, bizarrely, I remember seeing this woman on Facebook, okay? And she was in, and she was working from home at the time. And she was talking about earning some money around her kids. And I thought, well, that sounds good. And she was basically offering to show people how to make an extra 300 pound a month. Now to me, I was thinking, whoa, wow, that's like, you know, 75 pound a week, you know, 70 quid. That, that's my shopping for two weeks. That's like, wow. So I remember getting in touch with her. Didn't know what it was. I didn't know anything about it. And I ended up joining a nowhere marketing company at the time, okay? Okay. You know, like probably many of us have done at some point in our life um, as well. Didn't know it was a network marketing company. Didn't know anything about network marketing. Didn't know anything about anything. And for me, it was just about recommending some products and earning a bit of extra cash. I thought, well, I could do that. You know, I like products and stuff like this. So I started to do that. And then as I was in that company, I could see these other people in the company earning like a lot of money, getting big checks, going on these nice holidays. And I thought, well, how are they doing that? I don't know this was part of that. I don't know any of all of these things. So I, 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 and again, the parts of me, high achieving and all that. I thought, right, hold on, how are they doing all of this? Now, bear in mind at the time, I was still had a really strong anxiety part of me. You know, I didn't like going out. I could have, if I had not got children at the time, I could quite happily have become an agoraphobic. It was an effort to go outside that front door. Mm. And 
I'd only been on Facebook probably for about a year actually. Hadn't been on it that long, wasn't really using it. I was using it more to put those, you know, we put those veiled posts on, great day today. So people yeah. would go, are you okay, are you okay? You know, that kind of thing, because <laughs> I wanted some sympathy. Those kind of breadcrumbing posts that you would, oh, in A&E again. Oh, well, what's up? You know, not no information just because I wanted the sympathy. Insert the meme, you okay, hun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Because that was better than nothing, right? Yeah. I, I had something. And so I joined this um, business and I started to study. And at the time, this was way back, I started to look at Facebook like a science. So having had a science background and, you know, working as a podiatrist, I love science, you know. And I started to look at Facebook like a science. How does this work? You know, how can I make Facebook work for me? Because it means I don't have to go out the front door, basically. I can build a business from Facebook. And that's what I started to do. I started to do free courses. I watch YouTube, you know, and, and I started to work my business in around my children up early, late to bed, still picking them up, dropping them off, but working, thinking, okay, this could be a ticket out of all of this potentially because of what I could build. Within 12 months, I built a business where I had hundreds in my team. I was one of the top distributors in the UK and I got awarded a check and I was on my way to Singapore, like literally. And all of this was like, wow, this is the possibilities. And I did that for about three years, three or four years. And whilst I enjoyed it and it really helped pay off debt and all of these things, it didn't light me up. My upline, as you call it, was a bully as well. I thought, God, I've attracted another person into my life. My goodness me. You know, and I started to feel unhappy. But what I did really like was recruiting people into my team and supporting them. But what I found was the type of people I was attracting were predominantly other women in circumstances that were really, really challenging and not having a way out. That lit me up. But I realized was there was only so much that I could do. I could show them how to build a business like I had. But again, they might not have had the part like I did, like high achieving and the work ethic. I have a very strong work ethic. So again, it was like, I wanna help these people, but I don't feel like I'm doing it in the right way as such because it just, there was a disconnect for me. So what I thought I would do then is totally retrain, like literally retrain. So I started doing programs, courses, masters, um, you know, and a lot in somatic therapies as well, because I knew that's what really helps. So a lot of nervous system stuff, again, the sciencey side, how wide does our body react the way it is about the brain, neuroscience, all of that. Real, I'm a real trauma geek and started to do that. And the skills I'd learned about building a business on Facebook, I then transcended literally into how I was building a business then. So I was using only Facebook at this particular time. So I started to build a free Facebook group and like thousands and thousands of women in that group at the time and helping them predominantly at this time from abusive relationships. But again, I started to attract people where it was just, you know, tr general trauma, you know, and I, and again, I work with a lot of people, whatever it is um, now anyway, entrepreneurs I was working with, lo lo lots of different people. But again, I do have a real, a real purpose in a way around abusive relationships and stuff um, too. So I started to build all of that and I started to have a lot of one-to-ones. I literally filled my books, like literally. I was completely full. 
And I got to the point in my business where I was full with one-to-ones where I thought, I'm burning out again. I'm helping all of these people as such. But I was earning really good money. By this stage, um, 2019, building all of that, I was on six figures at that stage, just purely on one-to-ones. But I was loving what I was doing, but I knew that I wanted to help more people. It became this bigger mission, this bigger passion. So I remember in, I think it was August 20, was it 2019, I think it was, that I thought, okay, I'm going to start on Instagram now as well. So I started on Instagram properly. I'd been on Instagram, but I wasn't doing Instagram, okay? So I started on Instagram. So I was kind of then learning all about Instagram, what worked, what didn't work. And I started to create programs and healing. And literally then in the following year, we were at multiple, multiple six figures. Then at that stage, I was doing groups. And so, so really then, I suppose intertwining that keyword again, my therapy coaching skills from what I had learned also as an entrepreneur as well and marrying those both together and building my business but helping lots of people as well and again if you'd have said where I am now to then I'd have never thought necessarily my business would go in that direction and as my business started to grow I realized then as I was helping people that wasn't enough that wasn't enough so in 2020 I think yeah January 2020 I thought I'm going to create my own certification around trauma and domestic abuse as well and narcissism because i'm going to help others heal others then so that's what i did then i created this certification around i got it accredited so it's cpd and icf my um trauma-informed coaching certification which i'm actually my next cohort i'm launching on sunday and it will be the only trauma-informed qualification it'll be a level seven so postgrad diploma or master's equivalent in the world because I want to keep raising the bar in all of this so that others can learn to be trauma-informed not just to coach others but in their life in their business bringing it into the workplace bringing it into schools because like you know talking about your son people aren't trauma-informed very often people might try and do their best but if we understand trauma we understand is someone in freeze is someone in fight flight we keep diagnosing so many children with adhd but actually is it just their fight flight response because there's a trauma history are we taking a trauma history are we looking at other elements or are we just giving them a label because it's easier to do that and i'm not saying it's not adhd but we have to look at a trauma history with that too because actually complex ptsd and adhd you look at the symptoms, they're pretty much identical. So we have to look at things like this. So I wanted then to, it's kind of grown and grown and grown. So now I have an accredited school, um, which is the School of Trauma-Informed Positive Psychology. And for the last three years, we've had kind of, say, we're at multiple seven figures now um, as well, where we're literally helping thousands of people but it's not just me helping them you know a lot of my students and grads that are going on and helping others you know we've got people in a prison in Bali for instance we've got people going on the tv talking about it in schools in workplaces you know we're I suppose my bigger goal has become helping others help others as well and building all of that and you know my long-term goal with the school is because we're going through Ofqual now as well my big goal with this is it for it to become an online university of programs diplomas certificates that people do to help themselves and to help others not because they're doing that as a job as such but because they're bringing it into their environment wherever they are the workplace the school the health service wherever that may be as well and it's just and if you just said to me this is where i'd be i'd have gone no chance but i think 
as I see things, I'm very much again, you know, I'm a big believer in things come to me and I just go with it. And when I go with it, I will go with it. Cause I, you know, but it's not coming from a trauma response. It's coming from passion, purpose, and it feels like a mission. It feels like now I went through what I went through to do what I am doing right now. And I feel like I've been given a gift to do that and I'm gonna keep on doing it. Um, you identified it I was, as I was talking, talking about corporate, oh, like a buzz of a startup. And your demeanor, your um, smile on your face and everything just like, you, you just lit up as you started to tell yeah. that story. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is so true. Um, I, I, one of the favorite um, things I love, Alan Watts, very wise old man from time gone. Um, but he gave a talk, uh, what would you do if money was no object? Uh, you'd find a passion, you'd dive into it, you'd, you'd, and you would just be enjoying being on that journey yeah. and the money comes. And oh, you're, you're talking about <laughs> it is because we all focus on the money. So many entrepreneurs are focusing on the money, and I genuinely have never focused on the money. I came from like we mentioned this a bit earlier. You know, stories that my mum and dad would say growing up. We were always in a ten thousand pound overdraft. You know, so initially yeah. mine was oh, when I earn a ten grand month. You know that, yeah. but I kept that as a glass ceiling because I liked the struggle. I was never hitting the ten k months like very yeah. early on, like in you know the network marketing business because I kept myself that. You know. I can't remember the last time I've not had under 100k month, for instance, you know, and but it's not about that. It has given me the financial security now. And like you mentioned earlier, my big goal is to give both my children property at some stage as well. So they will never go through what I went through with losing a home. And we will set that up legally for even if they get married or anything like that. It's about their safety, their security and creating that legacy for them yeah. ongoing too. And it's really important to me. And I remember it was about, when was it? About a year and a half ago. I remember looking at thinking, you know, seven years had gone by now and I thought, could I buy a house now? Could I get a mortgage? Is my credit okay? Because I didn't dare go in because there was still an element of shame around it. And I started to go through the process and it's like, yes. And you know, how much could I have? And I was thinking, whoa, I don't need that much as such <laughs> looking at my income and everything. But I was actually renting a property, um, a six bed property actually where I was. And I approached the owners and said, could I buy it? And they said, yeah, because they lived in Australia. So I literally in my own name now own my property again. And obviously that is a legacy for my children, but I also want to get them at something. I've got a 19 year old son and a 15 year old daughter. You know, I want them to be financially, you know, I'm not gonna just dish it out as such, yeah. but I want them to have a level of security and the reason being is I want them to go out and live their life, not exist, live it, make a difference to whatever it is that they want to do, you know, and not feel bound by money or things like this. You know, they've got to go out and create it for themselves. But that financial security for me is brilliant and I've got all of that. But what drives me isn't the money. It genuinely isn't. If I won the lottery, I'd still do what I do because it's bigger than me. It's a purpose and it's about, you know, we have so much judgment in the world, shame in the world, you know, anger in the world. If I can be a little drop in the ocean of making some people's lives better with all of that, that's what I'm always going to keep on doing. The uh, make a difference. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's what it's all about to me. Absolutely. The, um, when you're, um, it's, 
a fascinating conversation, both <laughs> even before the camera started rolling, and I was like, we need to talk, <laughs> we need to capture some of this. The, uh, uh, but when thinking about people listening to this podcast, uh, business owners, um, people looking at starting a business in themselves, and looking at how you've assessed me throughout the conversation, <laughs> uh, how, um, as a takeaway from somebody to take from listening here, how can somebody look at themselves and identify whether their drive, I'll use that word because that's what podcasts are called, is healthy or not? Um, in the way that we were discussing earlier? How do, you, how do you go about assessing that? Yeah, great question. I think it's not even just about the business, it's also their personal life because they were very much into, you yeah. could have somebody who has a great business, but they've also got lots of other body issues as such too because of their home life. So it's yeah. looking at both. But if you think about it, say from a business perspective, it's do you have any pain, illnesses, things that are happening in your body that are really whispering and telling you something. You know, if we're continuing getting migraines, let's get curious about that. You know, if we've got continued IBS, let's get curious about that. Is it trauma related or is it something physical potentially as well? Probably 80 to 90% it will be trauma related and it's just the body and that inf inflammatory response because of too much cortisol. So for really a business owner to know, I always think if it all went tomorrow, would that be okay? You know, if you didn't do what you want to do, would that be okay? What is the intention behind you doing what you are doing you know if the intention is to prove yourself to show others you can do it then we might need to reassess with all of that so it's it's really about helping somebody recognize you know why am i doing all of this do i want to do all of this we get caught up in the rat race sometime of thinking what we should do what we should earn you know i run a female mastermind and you know i've worked with some of the women over the last number of years and what they came in what they wanted they didn't want that that's what someone else thought they should want and that's what they kind of honed in on so for me it's looking what do you actually want out of your life you know sometimes you think well i want money and i want this but when we start talking about that do you want 10k a month it sounds nice but do you really need that? And do you actually want the work effort that goes with that? So it's really connecting with for people, really, what is it you actually want? And then how do we create all of that around that? And I get it, people have got bills to pay and they need to do that. This is where I bring in some positive psychology then. It's okay, we know you've got to stay in that job or your business or whatever it is, and you have to do that for now. How do we bring some meaning into that for you? So it shifts some things in your nervous system as opposed to it feeling heavy and that you're abandoning yourself because you're doing something that doesn't feel in alignment for you so it's finding elements where we can have more alignment in our nervous system so it feels not stressed but stretched you know we can stretch our nervous system what we don't want to do is start to stress it that's when we start to get those responses in our body but it's almost when I work with um, when I work with people so many people are walking around in this freeze response we call it functional freeze they're totally disconnected from their bodies they're going around doing what they need to do but they're basically like a little head basically they're not connected to feelings in their body because feelings could be painful so they have what's called dissociation they're completely disconnected so what we want to do though is move from that into a 
place of connectedness. But to do that, we have to discharge, remember the traffic lights, we have to discharge some of that sympathetic energy. But a lot of people, as they start to feel that energy, think it's a bad thing. They think, oh, I shouldn't feel like this, no. So what do they do? They don't continue to discharge it, they suppress it back down. So most people are living on the cusp, really, between the red and the yellow light. So in freeze, but feeling that sympathetic energy. So we're like on eggshells, we feel hypervigilant, we feel kind of there, because every time then we might have explosive moments of anger and we push it back down, as opposed to actually healthily releasing and discharging all of that in what we call a titrated way. So slowly, we don't want to do it too quick, too fast, or you'll shut down again, to get back to that green light then as well. So we want to know, am I running a business from my green light as such, or am I running it from my yellow or my red? If it's yellow or red, at some point, you'll be unhappy, you'll have disease and illness, and you'll burn out, basically. It sounds like um, I'm using a coaching mechanism for training I've had for coaching young children is giving permission. Correct, <clears throat> absolutely. I think that sympathetic response, anger and that emotion, we have such a negative connotation about it in society, but actually if we think about it literally objectively like a container, we have to discharge that somehow, we have to. Mm. But because we've not been taught how to healthily show our emotions when we feel that charge in our body, we suppress it back down. And this, like you said, seen and not heard, I was the same, you know, I didn't dare say anything in front of my dad, I might have felt it. So over time, I probably lived decades in dissociation because I wasn't allowed to show my emotion. It would upset my mum, so she'd think she was a bad mum. If I showed my emotion, my dad would get angry and really shout at me then. So I learned to stay safe. I needed to suppress my emotion. That's why even when we think of children, you know, we have the phrases, time out. No, 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 it should be time in because at a time when a child is feeling their emotions the most and don't get me wrong we should need to have boundaries around this we need to sit next to our child letting them feel that because what we're saying is okay feel your emotion but I still love you and I'm still here not get to your room because I don't want to see your emotion what are we teaching our children then hey your emotions don't matter you need to suppress them so there's a lot of things we can learn when we look at our nervous system and when we look back you know when I was a kid you know ferberizing was really popular no cry it out leave your child leave your baby cry it out we now know and again this isn't shaming anybody but my parents did this for me um, we now know you imagine if the baby comes in fight flight and freeze already there baby starts crying because it wants its needs met. It's scary world, okay? If we leave that child too quiet out, okay, what we're saying to that child is it's still a dangerous place. So they may well cry and escalate the crying. Of course, at some stage, they're going to go to sleep, but they're not going to go to sleep in the green light. They're gonna to go to sleep in freeze. They're in protection mode at that stage as well. So we're reinforcing to them, the world is dangerous. And they've just burnt themselves out. Absolutely, <clears throat> yeah. The, um, um, this question has just come to my head, um, which is, um, um, I feel like a controversial question. Ooh, it's like a bit <coughs> but the, uh, so, in, so um, listening to how you're talking and uh, how, it, like, it's different now. I'll just use that phrase intentionally. Yeah. Uh, is, uh, and thinking about allowing emotions, allowing young people to sort of um, time in. Is that because um, we are more aware of our biology and our bodies, or is it because we are uh, the society is just becoming more woke? 
Oh, that word woke, okay. Well, so, okay, so I don't believe it's woke for this. I believe we do know more. If you think years ago when CBT was founded, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, yeah. 25 odd years ago, the reason CBT was founded was because people had issues, people had things coming up for them. So we wanted to cognitively, up in yeah. their head, manage or therapize if you want to want of a better word the behavior so okay here's your behavior how cognitively can we manage that behavior the problem with that is we're managing the symptoms we're not doing what we call a bottom-up approach body up we're doing top down brain down okay 25 odd years ago that's when neuroscience was founded that's when we actually realized we can change beliefs in our body we started to understand our nervous system polyvagal theory which is this hierarchy of our nervous system a lot of the time we get taught about the window of tolerance you know you're either in safe or you're in fight flight or you're in freeze that's not how our nervous system works it works on a hierarchy it is freeze fight flight and then safe and connected and to go back to then the safe and connected if we're in freeze we have to discharge and go through the fight and flight we have to do that if we keep suppressing it we're going to stay in freeze we know all of this now and i think when we know more knowledge is power for us but if we do something with all of that i think the problem with like you say with the woke which is almost taking it a step further Sometimes we're not teaching people resiliency and coping strategies as such. And it can be very easy when you're trauma-informed or even woke as such with this, that we keep giving reasons and excuses for things because I went through this. You know, where do we draw the line with that? You know, I believe once we become an adult, we have to take personal responsibility for our behaviors and for our actions. Now, if we don't do that, I'm not there to judge someone who doesn't, but I have my boundaries then about how much you impact my life with all of that too. You know, when I think about my ex-husband, for instance, I know why he's abusive because I can understand from a trauma perspective his childhood and every, you know, it's his way of manipulating control, um, gaslighting to feel more superior and to feel better than he feels because of his childhood. But abuse is abuse. There is no excuse for it. So we can understand and explain, but that doesn't excuse other behavior. And I think sometimes what we're missing sometimes is the resiliency of, as human beings. That is part of our growth. If you go back to hunter-gatherer times, times were tough, but we learned resiliency in that time as well. And actually that then bettered our life as we go along and it builds our strengths to then go and achieve something else um, as well. So I think it's yes and no element of all of that. So I hope that kind of answers it from does. my lens. The, um, in the language that I've used, um, we'd use like anxiety um, and part of the training I've been through is there's a, there's a bit of a line in anxiety. So if you're about to go into a new environment, if you're pushing the boundaries, you'll be trying something new, new job or um, running a business and it's a new experience, our hunter-gatherer, our primeval instincts um, warn us. Yeah. It's just built into us of like, <gasps> this could be dangerous, <clears throat> this could go wrong. Um, in the coaching mechanism that I use, we call it the journalist. So it's just, it exists to just like tell you like the most like headline grabbing, clickbaity story of, oh, this is going to go wrong. Um, so you acknowledge it. You, yeah. you look at it and go, right, okay, this is my body yeah. giving me the warning signals. Yeah. Um, you don't um, man up over it. 
you don't um, turn around and just listen to everything it says you acknowledge it um, what are the warnings it's telling you okay can we manage those are they really what's going to happen okay do we still go through it thank you very much for the heads up the warning but I, I think we're going to be fine here or no I didn't see that car coming around the corner yeah it's probably not a good idea for me to step out in front of it kind of thing it's just the acknowledgement of yeah. those feelings um, compared to um, medical anxiety um, the chemical imbalance things that are generally you deal with these so the chemical imbalance doesn't come first. We know this from research yeah. now. We used to think that, yeah. but the up-to-date research about depression, anxiety things, actually when we have that anxiety or the depression, that leads to the chemical imbalance then in mm. our brain. And when we, you, you, how you spoke about that, it was so wonderful because I thought this is like parts work, <laughs> you know? So, you know, when my clients would say to me things like my anxiety, I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't own anxiety. You know what? Anxiety is doing a great job for you. It's a protector part. It's part mm. of you. It's not you. It's a part of you. Anxiety is a sympathetic response in the body, like you said, to keep you aware and vigilant for the potential of any danger. But if we separate you from the anxiety part, just like you did, almost like the journal as yeah. such, we externalize the part. Hey, anxiety part, why are you here right now? Well, if I'm not here, there could be some danger. People might be mean to you. People might say that. Okay, what do you think would happen if you weren't there? Well, it could all go wrong and you might feel really sad and hurt and all of that. How old do you see me as? Now, very often when we do parts work, seven, six. So that part, anxiety, depression, whatever it may be that isn't part of ourself, that part is there to protect not us as the adult today, but a younger wounded part of us. And just like you say, when we externalize and have those conversations, we can say, okay, thanks for being there. I get it, but actually I'm 50 and I don't need <laughs> you to be there. I'm okay with this, okay? I think one of the key things to remember is our nervous system, like I said, will do what it needs to. We can't override that. You know, we are built for survival. If we want to be successful, earn money, we've got to be intentional with that first and foremost survival and moving us away from pain so if an anxiety part is there so i get all my clients and communities you know you don't own that it's not like another arm that you have it's just a protector part for you but why is it there let's get curious about why it is there as such and like you say it's also the self-talk that we have. A lot of people think we have thoughts and then feelings. It's actually the other way around. We feel, which is called neuroception, and then we discern and think, okay, based on our past experiences, that's what we start to think. If you have two people about to get on a roller coaster, okay, one will be saying, oh my God, I'm so anxious about all of this. The other one will be like, oh, I'm so excited. The actual sensations in the body are exactly the same, but it's from our past, that we then discern and add the meaning and story to what we are feeling with all of that. And that's what we have to look at. Where's the story? If I have this sensation, this image, this behavior, this affect, this is the meaning from that. This is the story I'm telling myself. And it's then exploring all of those. Do you need that part there? And the more we try and push the parts away, for instance, the louder they're gonna come back and they'll come out in other ways, 
like stuff to do with the body as well. So yeah, like the coaching side of it, it just really reminded me, I thought, ah, oh, you'd love parts work if you did. Because <laughs> it's so non-shaming. You know, a child isn't an angry child. They have an anger part. I love you, but that anger part, the behavior you're showing, you know, we're not putting behavior as the person. We're separating all of that. And, you know, I'm very careful with how I speak to my children. You know, I don't praise them for a mark. I praise them for their effort, you know, so it's just little shifts and changes with how we parent, what we do and what we say, you know, I have an anger part that comes up. I used to think I was a really angry person, but I'm not an angry person. The anger part, which I externalize as Wonder Woman now, may I say, <laughs> because she's there to shout for me when I feel like no one's listening. That's what my anger part comes in and almost goes, hey, Caroline, don't worry, I got you. And they will shout at the other person to try and change that situation. She doesn't show up very often now. She does on occasion though. <laughs> but now it's like I can feel her sometimes. I can feel the activation in my body and the anger part there for some situations. But I'm able to keep them separate. I'm able to stay as myself, know the part is there, but hold that, not blend with it and then really come from the part. You know, am I building a business from a protector part? Or am I coming from myself? Am I in this relationship coming from a protector part or myself? And I think that's kind of the key all of the time is, and again, we're all still doing the best that we can at any given time. And I'm not here to judge anybody with how they're showing up because I know there'll be a reason for it. No, that is, we are so on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I know, it sounds like <laughs> it. <laughs> the, um, it's been lovely chatting to you. And you. Uh, if there is one piece of advice you'll leave, you'd like to leave any young um, fledgling business founder or somebody who is in the early stage of taking that leap, in whichever stage of life they're at, you decide who you'd yeah. like to give advice. What would that be? Okay, so it's probably going to be a bit of a way out one as such, probably related to the stuff more we've been talking about in some respects. Next, if you are neglecting yourself, okay, next time you find yourself saying you're too busy to look after yourself, eat well, sleep, all of this, next time you say I'm too busy, I want you to change the word from I'm too busy to I'm abandoning myself. See what shifts in the body and see what you then do because you have to work on yourself first to go on and have a successful long-term business maintaining your health. Wow, that hit. Yeah, <laughs> I relate to that. I'm too busy for that, I'm too busy for this. And that's like, no, you're abandoning yourself. Oh yeah, because I'm doing nothing for me. Yeah, no. but for a reason. Very true, I'm, I'm taking that one on myself. <laughs> yeah, it hits home, right? <laughs> Thank you very much You're for coming welcome. and chatting. Thank it's you. been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Drive. I hope you found it insightful and useful. But before I go, have a look at the app you're listening to this podcast on. See that follow button? Give it a press and you'll be notified of all future episodes as they come out. It also helps us understand where most of our followers are and where to really be pushing this podcast to.